Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Finally, formally, retake the ice. Meaning tomorrow, 5.38 p.m. in Philadelphia. All eyes and all expectations will fall on their top two forward lines to carry them into the playoffs and maybe beyond. That's just how it is. That's the way people think of the Pittsburgh hockey franchise. It's always been built on the superstars. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And not only am I not sure where it's coming from, I don't know that Mike Sullivan is sure. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. I'll be heading out to Philly myself Later tonight, covering both of those games there and then coming back home for the opener at PPG Paints Arena against the Capitals. There will be no fans at the home opener. The Penguins announced that they're going to hold off until February before allowing anyone in. And even then, they didn't promise to do that. They're just going to reconsider it at the time. They would have been allowed to have some in, but decided against it. Mike Sullivan yesterday at PPG Paints Arena mixed up his third and fourth lines, putting Mark Jankowski between Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev, putting Teddy Bluger between Sam Lafferty and Colton Sevier on what was designated the fourth line. And right off the bat, I guess the first thought that you have is, oh, must not have liked what he'd seen. Well, Sullivan went and explained that The coaching staff has had so little time to look at anyone and any other combinations, most of these guys being new, that they wanted to at least see if there was something else that might click with someone else. But that, to me, sounded a little bit PC. I I think there's no way Sullivan does this or makes any such statement if he looked and thought, wow, that's really it. These guys are ready. You know what I mean? So he's going to try to find something. He's going to try to work something out that clicks. Third and fourth lines in hockey are are funny in that most people think of them purely from the standpoint of how they fare five on five. Uh, Are they scoring? Are they getting the occasional goal to help out? and really not much else. Coaches think of them as, for the most part anyway, warehouses or storage places for penalty killers. They need guys, they need forwards who are going to block shots. They need forwards who are going to have a understanding of how to excel on the PK. And you got to play them somewhere. So there they are on the third and fourth lines. 
if there's ever a decision that has to be made, let's say before or after a morning skate on who's going to play that night, it's never, ever, ever based on who's the superior five-on-five player on a third or fourth line. They're going to take the superior PK guy 100% of the time. But, but you can't get nothing from those lines, as the Penguins have learned. That's why they valued the Bluger, Tanev, Zach Aston-Reese line as much as they did. Aston-Reese, of course, is out for a good while longer yet coming back off the shoulder surgery, although it's notable that he did take to the ice yesterday for the first time with the taxi squad, but it was something. It was progress. They don't have that automatic here. They don't have that given. So they're trying to find something that works. From what I've seen in camp, I liked what I saw of Jankowski and Lafferty together working with each other, but they're being split up here. So again, they're, they're looking for something else, maybe something more, maybe something Maybe something that gets goals out of the people who are on these lines and actually have the capability of scoring goals. Jankowski's done a little bit of scoring. He did that in Calgary. Tanev, as we saw last year, can score. You know, he ran out of gas. I don't think there's any doubt as the regular season went along. Whether or not he got bruised or banged up or whatever, we'll never know because of the limited access that we had in coronavirus times. But we've seen him score. I'm very much on the record to the point of being boring with it that Sam Lafferty can score. But there's another guy. And it's rare that I'll say something like this, but the math will not support me. (laughs) And this other guy who I'm about to bring into the equation. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, warmer than wool, hypoallergenic. From outdoor work socks to cozy bed socks to lightweight diabetic compression socks, they all look and feel great. Get a pair for yourself at warrioralpacasocks.com. And better yet, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. That's the code DK. Just for our podcast listeners, go to warrioralpacasocks.com. And alpaca, by the way, is spelled A-L-P-A-C-A. Yeah, Jared McCann. I, I mean, I know you figured out who I was talking about. Jared McCann has scored in the NHL. It's just that he didn't do it in the final 22 games of the regular season, and then he didn't do it at all in the brief playoff appearance with the Montreal Canadiens this past summer. Some of it has been due to some lousy luck. He's broken sticks when he's tried to take shots, but some of it's just been not bearing down. This is what he had to say on that subject after practice yesterday. Well, I just think that last year things just, uh, I wasn't getting very many bounces. You know, things were popping over my stick or, or you know, the goalie was making a good save. But uh, sometimes it goes away, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to kind of move forward from it. it. You know, it happened. It's in the past. And, um, you know, I feel like this this season, um, I'm, I'm not focused on points or anything like that at all. Um, never really have been. Uh, you know, I'm just going to contra- try to contribute to the team as much as I can, whether it's offensively or defensively. And uh, yeah, that's it. Great kid. You'd love Jared McCann. You really would. 
impossible to not root for him. And I'm going to give you one number that does work into his favor right now. He's 24 years old, and we think of him as being some veteran. He's been around the NHL for a long time, going from Vancouver to Florida, and he comes to Pittsburgh, so it's his third team, so that makes him seem even older. He's still a relative child in the NHL. He's got the speed. He's got the offensive capabilities. He's got all kinds of character. And yes, he has scored. I'm on record as saying that if anything happens to either of the left-wingers on the top six, he's absolutely the guy that you'd bump up. Because he does have the talent to play up there. But what we haven't seen from Jared McCann is the ability to create his own offense. And I think you know what I'm saying with that. He's not a guy that's going to make a play from start to finish and the puck ends up in the back of the net. He's going to need some kind of assistance. And the lower you are on the line chart, the less your chances of getting that assistance. I mean, common sense, right? But he's going to have to do this. He's going to have to claw his way back up, in part because of that 22-game goalless streak. I mean, that that's commendable that he's burying it. He should, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is. I'd like to see the Penguins get some goals out of McCann. I'd like to see the Penguins get some goals out of Tanev, the way he put up uh, a bunch of them, particularly early last season before he wore down. I'd like to see them get a few goals out of Jankowski, who's absolutely capable of that and has shown that in the past before he lost some confidence last year in Calgary. Uh, Everyone knows how I feel about Lafferty. Getting some goals there is hardly out of anyone's reasonable expectations. And Teddy Bluger has shown to be a very capable and still promising, still with more of a ceiling, centerman in the National Hockey League. Are you going to see one or two a night? Heck no. Nobody gets that anywhere from the third and fourth lines. But they do need to pop them occasionally. They do need to pop them with some frequency to take some of the burden off the top two lines, but also to make sure that the Penguins are generating a healthy amount of power play opportunities. The more the third and the fourth lines can attack offensively, maintain the puck in the other end, the more likely they're going to get taken down and have the other team send somebody to the box. That's I realize a lot of this is captain obvious, but it, it tends not to be when things don't go well, you know. This past summer, when the Penguins went out in three games, or four games, I should say, losing 3-1 to one to Montreal in the playoffs, nobody anywhere talked about the third and fourth lines. Nobody anywhere talked about the fact that these guys didn't come close to scoring. Everything was all about how Geno took 21 shots and couldn't get any of them past Carey Price. Well, Geno took 21 shots! You know, he was at least getting in there. It's easy to play against a team 
where all of the offense is stacked onto two lines, it's way easier to coach against a team that does that. But if you remember in 2016 and 2017, what made the HBK line so effective was, A, they were really, really good, and B, they always got to play against the other team's third defense pairing. You know, logic dictated. You were going to put your best defense pairing against Sid. You were going to put your next best defense pairing against Gino. Who's left? And that's when you would see the Brendan Dillons of the world from the Sharks line up against Phil Kessel, and Phil would just blow right around him. That's how that's supposed to happen. It's going to take some time for the Penguins to get these answers. I think that's part of why Sullivan made the the flipping moves that he did, and I think you're going to see a few more of those in the days and weeks to come as he tries to figure it all out. This is really important to this particular head coach, I feel compelled to add here. He loved the HBK option and what it did for him as a coach, and he'd love to find some other way, even though he obviously doesn't have a Phil Kessel here now, for the Penguins to really, really put some significant pressure on their opponents by having at least one line out of these six or seven forwards that can have that kind of impact. When we come back, just one question. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Time for Just One Question. That's brought to you. Always by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in western Pennsylvania who are in need. And at a time like this, there's a lot of that, unfortunately, going around. If you happen to be someone in need, someone who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, go online to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help. I'm going to give you the address again. PittsburghFoodBank.org slash get help. And the food bank will take care of you. Today's question comes from Nick Walco who asks, just one question, DK, my question surrounds the shortened season and lack of line experimentation opportunities that come with that. Yeah, we were just talking about that, Nick. Nick goes on, though, to say if Kasperi Kapanen struggles next to 59 and 87 in the opening weeks of the season. How many games will Mike Sullivan give them before he breaks them up, and how many should he give them? Well, that's a tough one. You don't often hear me get stumped on here. Um, but yeah, you kind of, as I started reading ahead, you know how that is when you're reading something, but you actually are reading ahead 
And I started looking at the rest of your question going, I should have taken an easier one. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, when you give up as much as Jim Rutherford did for Kapanen, and when you keep giving up first-round picks, second-round picks, and getting things back in return that don't work, it's not a great look. I don't believe that it's a coincidence in the slightest that on the very day Rutherford reacquired Kapanen, that he went public in stating that he believes Kapanen would skate on a line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. Now, he threw in all the obligatory disclaimers. That's obviously Mike's call, and, you know, that's the head coach's call. Well, it's the head coach's call to an extent. When your GM puts his neck on the line in getting you a player like this, the head coach doesn't just prance around going, hey, man, I'll put him wherever I want. It's not how it works. This is the real world. Sullivan has talked about Kapanen and how he might fit in, obviously not having had a chance to put eyes on him at all since he was stuck in Finland with the immigration issue. And now that he's here in Pittsburgh, still has to stay in quarantine for another week. There are no answers. We have no idea. We do know that this really sets back that particular process. So, Nick, what's going to end up happening here is Kapanen's going to come on the ice. Sullivan is either going to say, look, I have no idea how this guy is going to fit in right away. I don't even know what his level of game conditioning or game awareness will be. It's one thing for him to do strength tests and stuff like that and for everybody to come back to Sullivan and say, hey, coach, he's ready, he's good. It's a completely different thing to be thrown out there for the regular season NHL game. So the first way I'd answer your question, Nick, is when you put Kapanen out there to start, where will he go? Would it be immediately with Sid and Jake? Because that's the way it was ordained at the time of the trade, or will you try to find a way to ease him in? Here's another possibility. Let's say, and boy, am I not expecting this to happen based on what I've seen of training camp, but let's just say hypothetically that Evan Rodriguez does great up there with Sid and Jake, repeating, this isn't going to happen. But if it does, if it does, do you just throw Kapanen up there because, again, this is the way it was supposed to be? I don't know. I don't know. I do think that this is going to require patience, and I do think that patience is going to be worthwhile. But I further think, and most conclusively think, that how this line works will be determined far more by how they figure out who's going to defend out of this group. Is it going to be Kapanen? Are they going to come up with some sort of general understanding that, hey, whichever forward is is back first or back in the best position has to be F3 and takes care of business? I don't know that. I don't know that. 
I do know that Kasperi Kapanen was not brought here to be Dominic Simone and to just clean up everybody else's mistakes. He was brought here to score a bunch of goals. And if the Penguins are smart, they'll make sure that he's in that position, not just by putting him on that line, but also by making sure that he's not there just to take out the trash. So this is really, really layered, Nick. This is this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I'll get you for this. I'll get you for this. Thanks for sending it in anyway. Thanks to everybody for listening today. We'll do this again tomorrow from Philadelphia. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.